want to go to there. Snipe! Saw the window and I just couldn't resist it. doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes. nice. Thirty Helens agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's kind of quiet, actually. Would you believe it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes, put hearts, get Hello and welcome to the Televerse Sound Unsights TV podcast. This is Kate Colson and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Uh, sweaty, but all right. We have air conditioning here now. Yay! That's very exciting. Cause... It's super exciting. Yeah, I, when we were recording uh, last week, like the instant we finished recording, I was looking on, on Twitter and uh, it was just some of our friends in the podcast just like melting. Like I think Whitney was saying something, somebody was saying something about like, swimming through new york uh so apparently it's not just you though it sounds like you had it worse than no. anybody else well and i've been week. and i've also been running in it so that hasn't Ooh. been fun well good for you that's wonderful very very admirable and uh and you also do you want do you want to tell the podcast listenership what i know did i did i not mention that i'm running another marathon yeah you didn't mention that yet oh well then i'll <laughs> mention it yes october 18th in toronto i'm doing my second one. basically I started thinking about how bad an idea it was, and that was when I signed up to do it, because that's how my brain works. Yeah, you're like, because 20 miles would be perfect, <laughs> so 26 is just insane, so you're just going to get to the point where you're like, no, 26 is perfect. You're like, just get your body to that point where you've like, you know, it's it's like, uh, just you just keep saying the same idea over and over again until you believe you like Stockholm Syndrome your body for training, maybe? Uh, basically, that's, that's one idea, um, but anyway, the whole point is to, is... I gave myself a little bit more lead time this time and I'm going to I'm going to kick my own ass a little bit more. So that'll be interesting. I don't really like the idea of adding travel to this equation, but um I guess I'm going to have to deal with that when it happens. See, but here's the thing. You've got friends in Toronto. Um you 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 got to let me know who all is who is going to be in town because I need to take them through the step by step of what you do how how one supports a runner in these things because uh you there should be signs there should be they should have like know the route there should be if there's any loops your friends have to like know the spots that they can hang out so they'll catch you multiple times so they can be chilling you know i don't know enjoying a beverage if they so desire or if not you know just kind of hanging out doing a little you know light you know bring a note notepad and do some writing or something do some work uh and and then scream their lungs out when you get nearby because that is what one does and then when you're collapsed and dead at the end of the race they you have a prearranged meet point so they can come like you know bring you food and tell you how amazing you are and help stretch if needed see no i don't need i don't need any of that i only have one requirement and it's only going to require one person all I want, and I don't support Uber, I think they're horrible, but for this one instance, I will say, just have an Uber there at this time and location, take me to your house so I can go collapse for a while. I don't need to eat anything, 
drinking would probably be cool. Yes, you do need to eat things. You do need to drink things. Your body physically needs okay, to fine. recover. But I'm more concerned about just getting the hell out of there. Getting there out and it's like, I'm going to need a bathtub. I'm going to need uh, some something salty. I'm going to need something crunchy, probably. And uh, then I get to eat or drink whatever else I want because I just ran a marathon. But in the immediate like concerns, you know, stretch a little, a little recovery, nice hot soak. These are all good things. But anyways, I, I'm just saying I've got a long uh, history. My mom is an Iron Man. Uh, she'll be doing her, like, I don't know, sixth Iron Man or something this September. Yeah, she's she's ridiculously impressive. So what I'm saying is I have a long history of, like, I'm, I'm a pro at, at supporting in these, like, longer-term races. And I just got to say, you know, you, you need your backup team. You need your pit crew there. And it's amazing how big a difference hearing your name and some hollering makes when you're in mile like 21 or, you know, 17. Some of those like really jerk miles along the way. True. Although uh, when I at least I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about it on my on my first marathon, our bibs had our names printed on them. And so random people are like yelling your name. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. At first, I was I, 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 for the for the first like eight times, I, I thought it was a coincidence because I was delirious. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, my name's on my shirt. <laughs> Well, it was always funny. Like, every now and again, I would have Catherine on there for some reason. And I'd hear, Catherine! I was like, what? Oh, they mean me. Huh. It's too <laughs> late for me to acknowledge and thank them. But that's okay. Uh, so, yeah, that, that is one of the fun things of, you know, like, s- sort of surreal moments. It's your own little taste of celebrity, Simon. <laughs> yeah, I've had quite enough of that. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, we, we have sh- TV. We have TV. We have uh, a fabulous returning guest to the podcast, Ryan McGee of Everywhere, who we love, has come on to help us talk about Mad Men. Um, again, again, just another giant of the genre. So excited to, to have a little downtime between the finale and now to, to talk about to talk about uh, Mad Men, or to sort of like recover a little bit and get some perspective. Um, but that was uh, so much fun. Very glad to have Ryan on. That'll be coming at the end of the podcast. But here at the beginning of the podcast, Simon, we've got a giveaway. We do. We have a giveaway. We give things away to you, to someone. To someone our wonderful special, listeners. Or, or just lucky. Maybe not that special. But yay. Yes, we are contacted by the lovely people um, from HBO uh, Digital. Season 2 of Silicon Valley and Season 4 of Veep are coming out on Digital HD. Um, and so we'll be uh, we'll be giving away a code for each of the two of them um, to one lucky listener. And uh, so th- it's like all 10 episodes of each season. Um, the Veep uh, digital HD release has some deleted scenes and stuff there, too. So it should be it should be really cool. We're going to be giving it away. We'll, we'll be drawing a name from the list of eligible uh, uh, contestants, I guess, um, on next week's podcast. But in, what do they what do they need to do to be entered into this into this pod uh, into this competition or this uh, this grab bag, Simon? Send us an email at uh, the televerse at gmail dot com uh, with your favorite line from either show, uh, either either uh, past season, I should say, and you will get a bonus entry if you clip or gif it because we like gifs. Yeah, and in the you can email the televerse um, at gmail dot com with the line, and for the gif or the the clip, if you send us a gif or a clip, you'll get an extra entry, like Simon said. Um, but send those to Twitter. Um, at the Televerse, uh, and so that way we can all enjoy. And of course, Simon, you are 
Uh, I'm at Sucker Howl. Uh, to get the credit, though, make sure it's at, you have at the Televerse in there. But um, yes, it's very exciting. Very much looking forward to it. Looking forward to uh, if we have any repeats. Do you have any anticipate? Do you have any like moments or or lines you think are more likely to come up, or uh, do you think it's a wide open field? Oh, I I would like to see what what arises organically. Okay, yeah, I I, I concur. If you want to leave a comment at uh at, at the website as well at Sound on Site, that'll will also allow that. So email or post to the website, and for the GIF or the YouTube or clip of the moment of the line, um, Twitter for that. Um, but very excited. Hopefully, we'll get lots of creative responses from people. Looking forward to that. And again. We'll be giving, we'll be drawing the name next week on the podcast. But for now, we should get started with Wing TV because there's not a lot of, of comedy for us this week, but there's a lot of drama and genre. So we, we, we better get started. Yeah? Yes. So we'll take a break and we'll be back right after this. One, two. There goes the girl who owns my heart. I knew she was the one right from the start. Our love is hearsay each and every day. We know that we will never part. Bow, 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 bow. This week in comedy and reality, we'll be previewing Review, uh, which is coming back for season two on Comedy Central. So excited. Spoiler alert. Yeah. We pretty much love the show. Um, then I'll be talking a little bit about So You Think You Can Dance, and we'll both talk about the Rick and Morty premiere. Again, just a little bit there. We talked about it last week. Um, then we'll dive in with Married, Aftershocks, and Key and Peele, Acapella Club. We didn't mention up at the top. We'll be talking about it plenty of the segment, but a little uh, preemptive tier for, for Key and Peele. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But first up, let's talk about review. We've seen the first episode of the season, this coming season. It's premiering on the 30th. Um, so it's, it's debuting this week. Uh, were you surprised, Simon, with how they decided to start this season of review? Because last year, the, the finale, that could have been a series finale. It could have been. I, I really like the the no-nonsense way they start off the show. Um, it's very... It's it's like the most it's the simplest way they could have they could have reassembled things to have sort of the status quo come back. Uh, it does seem like based on this first episode, there is definitely some unresolved issues still sort of lingering on the periphery that it seems like they're going to tease out over time, which is I think is a really smart way to do it. Don't don't dump all the drama in the premiere, sort of spoon it out over the course of the season. I think that's really smart. Um, nobody watched season one of review and. There are things about this premiere that made me think, wow, they really, really want people to watch this season of review. They want things that they can <laughs> that they can put in the commercials and hook people with and just make sure people understand just how insane and out there the premise is. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but it was a, a very fun premiere, uh, just as dark and unsettling as anything from the first season, but still very funny. And Andy Daly is still amazing. Do we want to say the guest uh, guest star for this episode or let that no, be a let's, discovery? Let's save. I mean, it was announced a long time ago, but I'd forgotten. So it was still cool. Yeah. Very excited by uh, about that guest star. So we'll talk about that a little bit next week. But yeah, I echo sign. I really liked the way they handled um, one of the characters uh, the the way that, and again I'm being as vague as I can here. So I really I was not necessarily anticipating the approach for one of the characters, but I thought it worked very well, and I look forward to what they do with that character moving you know forward. I assume we'll get more with them over the course of the season. Uh, Andy Daly's fabulous, like you said, and 
yeah, there's there's it it it, it comes right back into the swing swing of things, and uh, I look forward to being able to talk about it <laughs> a little more freely next week. Uh, but next up is so you think you can dance, which had the top twenty episode, but they also had the ten year anniversary. Uh, special. So we we had the first two, or top 18, I should say, performance uh, performers. We had uh, Lily in the bottom and uh, get eliminated, as well as Darian. I would have liked to have uh, for them to have gotten to do like a, a solo at the end, but um, unfortunately, I think for time they they just didn't go with that. America, you're f- lots of swears, idiots for for leaving Asif in in there. It's just it's embarrassing. Like I, every uh, every single one of the choreographers again this week, Simon, he just asked if he could just not do part of the choreography. Can I just like not do this one because it's like hard? Uh, uh. After two minutes or three minutes of rehearsal, he's like, "This choreography is so hard, man. I just can't do it." And the choreographer's like, "We've been here for three. Like he seriously was confused. Like we've been here for three minutes. You, you can't be giving up after three minutes. Um, it's just." absurd so hopefully america is a little like over whatever swoon fest was happening because he's very pretty and he's very good at what he does but is completely incompetent when it comes to what this competition needs you need to go asif needs to go i'm hope i'm holding out hope that when i watch this on demand uh later on my dvr because of when we're recording he will be gone <laughs> at, the, at the end of the next episode but what i will say is there were there were a number of fun um fun fun group numbers i was disappointed in the ones that basically there was the number that had one of the dancers the female dancer with two male dancers be played like an instrument like held and like the asa very awkwardly like poking her with his fingers like she was a piano or something uh it was just well he didn't help but it's just bad choreography it's very objective like literally objectifying the guys got to play instruments. She got to be an instrument. Uh, I don't know why somebody thought it was a good idea. But there was a fabulous uh, hip-hop routine with Yaya and Jim. Um, Jim's the ballet guy. And um, it was it was really very special. Uh, definitely a highlight of the season so far. Really enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed their their uh, 10-year anniversary special. Uh, the, the, the dances that they recreated were fabulous they were all they were all wonderful it was very awkward that we didn't have like a, a like a they didn't bring mary murphy on for something because she's been such a staple of the show for so long but they don't want us to think about that they want to just keep derulo and abdul there with lithgo for this season so that was kind of awkward but all the dancing was great there was way too much talking there was way too much advertisement of uh of ryan seacrest's thing but i mean it's just wonderful especially when they bring in the all-stars it's just it just raises it up a whole, to a whole nother level i really love the opening routine which was uh by travis wall and they did the bench which was which was uh very good and the hummingbird and the flower which was gorgeous and they brought um uh, they brought back Jasmine and uh, Comfort for the for the bikes one. You remember that one, right? That routine that was from yeah, your I season. Think so. Yeah, that was awesome. They brought back Alex Wong and Twitched and did Out of Your Mind, which gotta say, guys, it's less impressive when you know already know that Alex can do hip hop. It's actually I feel like it's kind of slow. I know that's blasphemous, but um, it was very a lot of fun. Very very good. Um, Would have liked to see a lot more dancing, a lot less talk. 
And probably like an hour and a half or two hours would have been a lot more appropriate for 10 years of dancing instead of, you know, about 30 minutes of dancing uh, after you take out ads and uh, both between segments of the show and during the show when they were advertising for Ryan Seacrest. Uh, but at least we got to see a few of our favorite routines. Um, is that something you think you'll ever check out or not really? Uh, probably not, but I do have a quick question. Did have you Have you gone to see Magic Mike yet? No, I have not. Did you know that Twitch is in it? I did, because I found out because of uh, some of our friends on Twitter. Uh, and I was like, how are you not? It's Twitch. How is this not a central part of your advertising? They can't stop talking about Bomer. They can't stop talking about, like, some of you like, Matthew Bo- Bomer is, he has a, a huge fan base from Suits. Or no, not from Suits, from? Uh, white Collar. From White Collar. Um, and he's gorgeous, of course. Um, however, Twitch is an amazing dancer. How are you not also, why are we hyping Childish Gambino and not hyping Twitch outside of So You Think You Can Dance? It was mind boggling to me. Um, but no, I have not seen it yet. I assume at some point I will. I really like the first one, you know? So have you seen it? I have. Um, how's the dancing? Was, uh, dancing's great. Um, Manginella kind of actually surprisingly steals the movie though. Nice. I, I, I won't say more than that. And and he does it kind of early, okay. um, which I was not anticipating. I actually thought the the actual dance climax was a little bit of an anti-climax. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think I enjoyed it more than the first one. Fair enough. Well, uh, I, I think what we can then cl- close out Twitch talk here, because I feel like there's a tie there, uh, by saying Twitch is awesome. They still don't know what they're doing with the whole team captain thing, and hopefully they'll figure it out by the end of the season. Uh, of stage versus street but at least for now there's a couple good and memorable dances um each of these last two weeks and hopefully that'll that percentage will only increase as we get rid of some of the dead weight which means uh asif so on to rick and morty which had its premiere a rickle in time now we talked about this uh, opaquely last week um, we're going to keep it short this week because again like we said we've already sort of talked about it but basically we loved this time splitting thing yeah, it really should not have worked. And I, and I feel like if they had attempted it in, like, the first half of the first season, it probably wouldn't have worked and would have just been, like, super shrill and annoying. But uh, it was really great in this episode, and I think it really shows the progress they've made. And and I think also this episode is a great example of how they've nailed that, or are starting to nail that tonal balance of you literally have multiple scenes of... Uh, of uh, of Rick explaining to the kids why they're awful using math. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at the end, you know, he is secretly at least one sixty fourth or whatever, a complete softy who will sacrifice himself to save others. Um, and that having that literally be uh, f- like a fraction of the screen was a, a really, really inspired way to show that. Yeah. I thought that was really great and uh, was very much uh, enjoying the reaction afterwards, like, wait, doesn't that mean that one of you somewhere <laughs> shut up? Yeah, I thought that was <laughs> such a great way to, to, you know, swiftly undercut any sort of emotional attachment like they do on Rick and Morty. But in a way, like you said, that they really I doubt they would have been able to to quite nail in at the beginning of the season when they were still figuring out their levels. Um, but they they found them here. And I look forward to if this is how confidently they can come back in the premiere. I'm I'm looking forward to what is sure to be another uh, fun season, uh, fun, fun season two. Any other Rick and Morty thoughts? Uh, what about the the deer doctor? <laughs> the, the, the subplot was just OK, to be honest. Um, but I, I have to say I read an interview with Roiland and Harmon where they were talking about 
their plans for the season and what they will and won't do and sort of the way that audience expectations have shifted over the last 10 years. And it was, it was an interesting interview. And I think it, it shows me that their priorities are correct. And I think that's one of the reasons that the show has been able to get so as good as it is. Yeah. Well, uh, incorporating the sister on more of the adventures, I think could be a really key part of that so that, uh, she's got a little bit more to do. Um, And so hopefully that will continue the season. But let, let's move on to our next show, which is Married Aftershocks, which is basically Alina's uh, 40th birthday. And having just had a 30th birthday, uh, I enjoyed all the references back to, it's going to be like my 30th birthday. <laughs> well, it was terrible, <laughs> uh, which was uh, entertaining. Um, what what did you think about this this episode and the reveal that their their couple friend is now separated? Uh, I'd honestly completely forgotten about those characters, so I uh, <laughs> it wasn't much of a review. Like, have we met them before? I co- Michaela Watkins, come on! I, I I I like Michaela Watkins. I just she's been in so many things. Fishler, playing, he's always good. Playing so many like similar characters that I sort of forget what she's on sometimes. Yeah, she has been everywhere recently. Yes, the last couple years. Same with a few other, and I also completely forgot, frankly, that John Hodgman was sometimes on this show, <laughs> and like he's kind of a regular, but not really. Um, and he's just kind of doing his John Hodgman thing, except like skeezier. And he's, it's one of the roles where he has that mustache. Um, so yeah, uh, it was fine. It was mostly, uh, I thought it was about on par with the premiere. I, I missed, I missed Paul Reiser and I, and I'm still confused as to why they're not giving John Hodgman anything to really do. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it'd be nice to see them actually use him instead of just kind of, we like this guy. So we'll put him in um it'd be nice that they would write if it feels like they're not writing for him no it it feels like they they brought him into like there was a hole in the scene and he shows up to just kind of riff yeah and i I like to think that the writers are a little more creative than that or or will start using him in more creative and uh more purposeful ways i suppose yes yeah it sounds like i like this one more than you did um just like the the premiere as well and uh so yeah, I, I guess that follows the. I, I did get a, key, a kick out of the the stuff with uh, F- uh, Patrick Fischler and Michaela Watkins, and I liked checking in on them again. Um, yeah, and I agree more. Riser is good. I'm sure we'll get more with him soon. But um, it was nice kind of checking in on on part of their circle. I like that this is a show where you don't just have the the these characters who only ever hang out with one group of friends. I like yeah. that there are some like there's it feels more lived in with like a sort of a periphery around them. And I appreciate that. Yes, I would agree with that. I I, I still think the show can do better. OK, fair enough. Um, our next episode is Key and Peele and our last for the week in comedy. That's Acapella Club. Um, I, I did enjoy the acapella uh, sketch we got here. There was also the, the, the first date of uh, everyone's favorite couple with Megan just being the worst, the absolute you know, just a devil woman to that, to that waiter, uh, food truck terrorists. What stood out to you? Uh, I mean, the date sketch was funny, except that it didn't have an ending. Yeah. It was again, like, this is the eternal problem with Keen Peel is that it, you know, they, they have great ideas and then they just, it, it's cause it seemed like the point of the sketch at first was that these people were the opposites were the opposite of the way they were describing themselves and each other. Um, you know, she was talking about how he was talking about how, how easygoing she was, and she was talking about what a gentleman he was, and they were clearly, clearly neither of those things were true. But then that premise was kind of abandoned after about mm, two and a half minutes, <laughs> and then it just became more about how horrible she is. 
uh, which is fine and was amusing. Um, and then, you know, there were the little bits with the waiter who I recognized, but I couldn't think of from where. And, uh, oh, it was from uh, Big Time. Anyway, so all these all these things were fine. But there was like there was a strange sense that there was there was a lack of discipline to, I would say, all the episodes so far in the sense that there haven't been any like front to back killer bits that really felt worked through from beginning to end. Uh, even even if I did think this was probably the best of the three episodes on balance. I suppose. I don't know. that, But that acapella into the um, improv, improv yeah. thing, that that really did work for me. I think that's, for me, the best one of the season so far. Um, and that's the eternal struggle with sketch comedy, at least as I've been told. Uh, last lines are hard. You know, just like when you're writing, titles are hard. They're the worst. Um, and last lines also just buttons very, very hard. Uh, so I, you know, when, when we aren't over the moon with how a sketch ends or it's, it doesn't mean that we don't really appreciate the, the talents of the people there. Just sometimes it comes together and sometimes it just doesn't quite have that last little detail yeah. to elevate it. Now, do we, do we have any thoughts on Key and Peele ending at, at the end of the season? I mean, I do. Uh, and by the end of the season, we mean in like five episodes because it's only an eight episode season, um, as I understand it. They, at least it's either an eight episode season or they're doing eight more. But I think it's just eight, period. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I mean, it's not surprising considering how much stuff they've been getting to do. Like they're doing a movie together soon and they've, they've been on other things and they clearly want to, you know, they clearly want to broaden their horizons. They've got long careers ahead of them. I'm a little surprised at how there was zero fanfare and it didn't come from Comedy Central. It just came from, uh, I forget which one of them, just being like, yeah, we're ending soon. Map. Yep. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Um, and it seemed sort of out of the blue until then, you know, for, we're more, I'm more aware of this than others maybe because in my notes every week I type up the episode number. Um, but they've been doing this for five years, so it's not yeah. surprising that they're ready to move on, especially because they've, they're busy people. They're in demand. And I'm sure that there are many opportunities that they would like to take that they haven't been able to because of Key and Peele. So when they've got, when, when they're really excited about new, new characters and new things to try out, you know, turning those other things down isn't as, isn't as hard when you're, you know, when you've been doing something like that for five years, then, and especially because they really make a point to not reuse their same characters very frequently. Yeah. Um, I could see how it could very quickly be like, I'm, I feel like I've done this. We've done what we were trying to do. Let's let's do something else. And and that sort of ties in with to me I, with the way it it was announced, the way it came out. I, I didn't see a big hue and cry. There was a lot of people who were like, I guess that makes sense. Thank you. We yeah. loved it. We look forward to the rest of the season. But it's not like you know people weren't ripping their hair out. Yeah. At this point, we we you can only do so many funny haircuts and voices mm -hmm. before you kind of start to exhaust that 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 proverbial bag of tricks that being said i could have seen them going doing it for another three years uh but i'd prefer to see them ending it sooner so yeah uh, I, th I think it's probably gonna end up the best for everyone mostly it was just the way it it just came out of nowhere i was like oh all right all right well fair enough then um so what wins your week in comedy uh, this is tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna cheat uh what wins my week in comedy was actually uh last week tonight <laughs> because um, I didn't even watch the whole episode because, frankly, we got to uh, man mandatory minimum sentences. And I was like, all right, I've heard this. like, And it's also not my country, so I don't care as much. Um, but there was an entire segment devoted to how boring and dumb Ottawa is. and uh, You're all I mean, cheaters. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Home of Ashley Madison. 
which was which is what inspired the segment and uh that was delightful and so that that definitely wins <laughs> um i'm gonna give it to review um and for the things that actually aired this week i'll give it to rick and morty but um yeah it, it's it was you know there's some quality comedy this week and i also enjoyed last week tonight last week tonight is one of those shows we very rarely talk about it on the podcast but I watch it every single week. It's it's like mm-hmm. appointment TV for me every week, and uh, so it's, it's I always appreciate when they get like a, one of those segments. Review is awesome. We'll be back right after this with our weekend genre and drama. genre and drama we're going to preview strike back uh on cinemax and then i'm going to talk very briefly about jonathan strange and mr norrell which had its finale uh time is going to talk about master of sex the excitement of release and then we'll talk hannibal the great red dragon unreal 2 deutschland 83 brandy station mr robot exploits rectify sewn with salt humans episode 5 and halt and catch fire kali just glancing down this list half of them are going to be gone in like two weeks because uh, because unreal deutschland uh rectify kali uh, sorry not kali hold and catch fire humans these are all like eight six to eight episode or like eight to ten episode seasons where they're getting to the last uh, down to the last few um so I guess it's a good thing that we have a new show starting up, and that's Strike Back. However, uh, I've seen the first uh, two or three. You've seen just the first one, yes? Yes. Um, I don't think Strike Back is going to fill in, really, for any of these this, this year for me. I loved it in its previous season. I had a lot of fun with it, but I, it was a little harder for me to get into the swing of things this year. How was it for you? Uh, having only seen the premiere, whew, I am not excited about this setup Uh I mean, I guess it hasn't aired stateside yet, so I don't want to get too much into it. But there is a definite damsel in distress element, um, which, fine. Uh, Here's the thing. It's not just that it's a damsel in distress. It's that there's, like, everything that could possibly annoy me about a show like this uh, is all present just in this premiere, which makes me feel not great about what follows. And also... The premiere doesn't have uh, it doesn't really have any of the uh, any of the specific or sort of more charismatic uh, elements of camaraderie we like about Strike Back, and frankly, it didn't have any particularly exciting set pieces either. Like the action was good and fine, and there were real explosions, but beyond that, eh, it's kind of a perfunctory act- action film feel. Yeah, I was surprised because um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Simon, because as I was watching this ridiculous set piece in the first episode and like we've got one of our leads riding a motorcycle as like a ridiculous stack of barrels explodes. And as soon as you see it, you know it's going to explode. <laughs> and that's part of the fun of Strike Back. But 
I just like it feels like their heart's not in it. It's like yes, I, they're go- it feels like they're going through the ridiculously extreme actiony motions with the premiere, and right. um, yeah, I think that I think the dialing back of, of of the comedy in this in the first couple episodes really doesn't help, and I think some of that is an awareness that it's ending and that they want to move their characters to where they can be so that assuming they survive they'll they'll walk away and that'll be the end of the show or at least one of them will um that's sort of the ending i'm anticipating for the show unless they end with high five we're awesome we'll do this forever but i don't <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's what they're setting up so um i don't i hope they're not going to go for too somber a tone throughout the season i like the awareness of you know that this is the final season of the show but again what makes this show really sparkle is the chemistry between the leads, specifically the two male leads, but really the whole the whole group. And when they find new and exciting ways to play off of that, when they give them these really fun one-liners, when they highlight the contrast between, you know, the the calm exterior and the ridiculousness around them, that's when the show is at its peak. It's a straightforward buddy cop kind of uh, approach. They just are really good at executing it most of the time, and this doesn't really come through in in this these first couple episodes. So hopefully they'll turn it around. Hopefully the literal damsel um, and the torture is effective and the like these these other things that Strike Back does uh, sometimes a lot of the time that we really don't like. It'd be nice if those elements you know are downplayed and these other elements that we really do appreciate come to the fore. So far that's not happening, but there's no reason to say that it won't later in the season. Uh, and the th- part of it is, like, I don't know how much of it is that Strike Back has changed or that I've changed. Because it's been, like, two years since the last season aired. And, uh, and it, you know, since then, we've, we've, we've done a lot of political chatter on this show. That's no, that's no secret. Um, so maybe, maybe I was just destined to not like a new season of Strike Back as much as I sometimes enjoyed previous seasons. Even though, frankly, I wasn't, like, wild about the way the previous season wrapped up either. So maybe this was coming, but yeah, I'm hoping for better things. I will give it if if I give it two more episodes and it's the same, I, I honestly probably won't watch the rest. Interesting. Well, I would say that I what I would encourage is if you've got like two more in you, I'll tell you when to tune back in. Okay. And then you know, so like it wouldn't because I feel like it's gonna take take a little bit before that revs back up. Um, the stuff the, the stuff that we appreciate about the show revs back up. Um, so I wouldn't want you to watch the next two. I feel and like, like uh, and give up and then it happens. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah, it's not yeah. going to happen for you in these next two. Having seen the next two, which you haven't, I feel like they're not very simony. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep you apprised if you're willing to do that. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Well, next up is uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell uh, with uh, in their, their finale. And I was planning to talk about it, but Simon, you surprised me by catching up with most, but not all of this show. So I'm going to hold off on thoughts about the finale until you've had a chance to see it. Other than to say that I liked it. I thought it was inventive. I really liked um, the way that things culminate. And uh, some of the character work I think is effective. And uh, I'm going to leave it there. So we will talk about this next week, gentle listeners. Uh, I'm glad people have enjoyed I think people have enjoyed the finale. I don't seem to have a strong sense of where the world is at with this show. Because I assumed it was much more popular than apparently it is. Um, but what did you think now that you've you know caught up? I've been kind of talking about it for the last few weeks. Um, are you on a similar page or are you kind of seeing other things? Uh, well, I watched the first five. Uh, I wasn't really that plussed either way with the pilot. 
Uh, but I, I think it's gotten quite a lot better since then. Um, I'm amazed at how Mark Warren seems to have cornered the market on supremely irritating villains. Um, <laughs> just the most punchable punch. He'd be more punchable if he weren't so tall, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the whole, I guess that, that aspect of the show kind of, kind of bothers me. I think even more than it's supposed to where the villain is just so, so transparently, uh, th- there's been no attempt made to make him charismatic in a way that we find it all attractive. He's just repellent and scheming and gross, and and it. I I I'm I'm hoping for some quality comeuppance. I guess um, the and I I I'm I am also pleased that the relationship between the magicians has not played out in exactly the way that I assumed it would based on the pilot. Uh, I'm surprised at how much of the show has been really the Jonathan Strange hour, like Norell has really been sidelined, as I think you said mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago. Surprised by that, especially based on, I would assume, Eddie Marsan, we get more to do. Uh, but we'll see how that pl- plays out over the last couple, I guess. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, Bertie Carvel. I liked him on Babylon, and I think he's very good in a completely <gasps> different that's role. That's him! Yeah, yes. that's him! So much, I liked him so much more in this. He's very good in the other one, but he's supposed to be obnoxious, so... Yeah, and here, playing a totally different character. Yeah. Um, and he's, 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 he's stunningly likable compared to his character on Babylon, and that's, that's a good range to be having. Um, and I, and I, as, like you said, I've really enjoyed the way they've, they've incorporated the women into the, uh, in, into the narrative. Also was not, really not expecting a black character of substance in a mm-hmm. fantasy show. So that's always nice to have. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of those videos, uh, with, um, They're with Every amazing. Line Spoken. Yes. Right. Listeners, yeah. if you haven't seen, seen these, if you don't know what Simon's talking about, go to YouTube and search Every Single Line Spoken by a Person of Color in... Yeah, and the best one is the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I think takes 48 seconds. The best one is Noah. Oh, I haven't watched Noah, but Noah I, I believe Noah is great. You. A story with a particular setting and a particular demographic that should be playing all of the characters. Anyways, go check that yeah. out. You won't be you, you will not be sorry. Um, anyway, yes. and it really highlighted the fact that, you know, stories like this don't really normally have that as much as that corner of the show with where it's like, oh, I'm going to make you a king. Like, I don't really understand what that's supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there are many aspects of the villain's plan that don't really make sense to me, but I'm just, I'm just leaving it there and hoping it makes sense later. Yeah. I'm going to, again, re- keep my mouth shut uh, until next week on this one. <laughs> Plenty of other things I'm going to talk a lot, but uh, we'll, we'll to be continued next week. I don't want to influence anything that you experience when you're watching the last couple episodes. So let's move on to Masters of Sex, the excitement of release. Um, I've seen last week's episode now, basically co-signed with just about everything you were saying uh, with last week's episode. Uh, yeah, how do- how bad was the case of the week, Not, not good. Uh, Master Sickle, fabulous, like you said. Uh, how was this week's episode? Uh, I think it's easily the best of the three so far. Um, this fast forwards to uh, Human Sexual Response has been released which is apparently where they were thinking about opening the season, but then they decided not to. Uh, I don't know if that was honestly such a great idea or not. Um, but uh, And so it, it sort of explores, you know, what's the ramifications of the book coming out uh, specifically for uh, for uh, Ginny's daughter. And uh, the way that plays out is uh, just really great. And I'd completely forgotten that uh, I, I, I was already familiar with Isabel Furman from Orphan, because she's the orphan from she's orphan. the orphan she's the orphan from orphan wow i haven't seen yeah. that but i remember the poster 
Yeah, and she was she was amazing, honestly, in that movie, and she's she's very good here. Even if she doesn't really look that much like Lizzie Kaplan, but I'll allow it. Um, anyway, uh, so everything with her was good. Uh, we get the introduction of a prominent guest star who was previously announced, and in a surprisingly not that prominent role, as well as the uh, reestablishment of some uh, former characters I wasn't necessarily expecting to see again, and some characters I'd forgotten about. Uh, all of which was really nice, and uh, Annalie Ashford got got a couple good moments in there, and that's about all I want to say about that for now. There's uh, a little bit of a lighter episode compared to the first two, which I think was a good move. Uh, once again, having a little bit of trouble folding in Libby, uh, but that's not really news. Yeah, the um, the show does well when it plays to its comedic strengths. Um, both, you know, pretty much all the cast has a strong background in comedy. Um, so hopefully they can take a little bit more advantage of that moving forward or just go, you know, heavy drama. They're very good at the heavy drama, too. <laughs> but, you yes. know, either thread, you know, one way or more towards the comedy would be usually better for me, given my history with the show. But uh, any other final thoughts on Master of Sex or shall we move on to Hannibal, the Great Red Dragon? Uh, the only the last thing I'll say is I still haven't seen Seven Days in Hell yet, but literally all I've heard about it since it aired was oh my god michael sheen so <laughs> i feel like i need to at least see his bits of that you just don't do, just watch it's 40 minutes just okay just watch it it's it's fun it's fun anyways okay. next up is hannibal the great red dragon and uh by the time you're hearing this or actually not by the time you're hearing this but uh later this week the this is our design for this episode will come out and i'm guessing on uh this uh, week's eat the rude cast with our friends uh cooper and ophelia you can check that out at eat the rude cast i think.com just google it it'll come up and uh so i'm gonna talk about this episode of uh hannibal for at least i'm gonna guess i haven't recorded it all yet a solid uh two and a half to three and a half hours this week <laughs> I'm going to stay out of this one for the most okay. part. I really liked it. My review, my lengthy review <laughs> and my lengthy score analysis is up at Sound On Sight. If listeners can't wait for this other podcast to come out, you can go read my thoughts there. What did you think of The Great Red Dragon? Can I just ask, have you guys considered for the series finale just getting together for one giant cryful podcast? You know that we have did that already, right? That was our season premiere. We I know, but... It are you going to do it again and then maybe, like, get some other... Just have, like, an all-star, just, like, cluster hoot? Well, we, we, uh, we're we going to have our friend of the show, uh, Ceremonial Third co-host, uh, Noel Kirkpatrick, is coming back for the... Fa I assume... We haven't actually asked him yet, but I assume he is because we've been talking about it for, like, months. Um, right. But, yeah, we'll have to do, we'll have to do something. Right. Uh, anyway, um, I like the episode. Uh, I look forward to seeing more of what Richard Armitage has in mind for this iteration of the role you know this is a story that's been filmed twice already uh in different permutations uh in manhunter which have you seen manhunter yet kate because you really need to if you haven't i have not seen manhunter i will not see it before the series ends and we'll see whether or not i watch it afterwards ricky's been on Fine. me to watch it uh it's it's for a long it's time so now. it's completely different but it's totally worth seeing it's you know it's early michael mann so it's it's great um Anyway, uh, so it, it's imperative on that. Like, I really am hoping that they are not that faithful to the books, to be honest, because I'm familiar with that. Don't need to see it again. I'm hoping that they uh, mess with it a lot, and they certainly have enough screen time to do so. Um, it was so weird to me to see several people, including some friends of the show, be like, oh, you know, it's just so nice to have this version of the show back, the, ver the version that I, that, I, that I remember from season one and most of season two. Because 
like, I don't know. It was fine. This episode was was basically a very good version of a show I've seen before, and I don't necessarily just mean Hannibal. Uh, it's back to being a police procedural, albeit certainly with serialized elements from earlier in the show and character beats and great performances and blah, blah, blah. That's all great. Um, but I don't really get people who prefer this over the batshit insanity. How is this on television? How did this ever happen to us of the last seven episodes? Um, that just does. And, and also the last couple of season two. I don't understand that mindset at all. Yeah, yeah. People are different, I guess. They're like they different are, things. But, <laughs> but people can also be wrong. It, this just really goes to something we've talked about on the podcast before, and that's TV has been a surprisingly consensus discussion, certainly amongst uh, critics, for a long time. And so to have just, you know, critics we respect, friends of the show, um, who's just have what to us feel like completely just I don't even understand approach to to this season of Hannibal uh is sort of refreshing. Uh it allows for more of a conversation that's theoretical. Uh, theoretically. So hopefully that's something that will start to happen more and more as we move forward with TV. But yeah, it's it's something I think maybe you're more used to in the music world of like reading and and writing and responding to music criticism, but and just, also film and film. We're just not used to that in the same way with TV. I think. No, not really. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's a it's still Hannibal, so it's still great. But I I'm hoping that within the next couple episodes, it was just weird to have an episode where a killer shot people. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> or, or just he's shooting that's i mean i get he's biting them later and stuff i guess but he's shooting them because that he's with a gun just just a gun it doesn't shoot teeth it doesn't do anything fun it's just a gun oh that was that was a real deflating moment for me when we're talking about oh it's just a gun i think we also need to to note that they very intentionally they don't show you the most horrific parts of that crime because Brian Fuller's made a promise to his audience that he won't tell rape stories. And so you know the other stuff is going on because they 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 tell you that it's going on. They just don't show you and they don't exploit it for for um maudlin or or uh you know titillizing uh moments of leering from the camera or emotional overwroughtness. Like they these are law enforcement professionals who are used to dealing with the uh disturbing after effects of crime of, of really horrendous crimes so it's i they don't have the the typical response to to this kind of trauma that any other procedural would show it'd be like oh and there's children you know like so while yes it's just a gun there's a lot like when you oh goodness okay i have to stop myself <laughs> Two and a half to three and a half hours of discussion of this elsewhere. Um, I see what you're saying. Um, I disagree a little bit, but I see what you're saying. And I co-sign with what you were saying earlier about really loving the freedom of the first half of the season. But I hope they can have more structural um, integrity maybe in the second half as well. So that's where I'm at for now with this. Any other final thoughts? Uh, no, let's keep it going. Okay, next up is Unreal 2. And um, what did you think of all of this? Uh, well, first of all, you said you're not invested in the shipping. So I'm guessing you don't really care about the ending? Uh, with Chet? Uh, 
I I only care in the sense that I was really hoping they were building to something more interesting with that intern. Oh yes, no, I meant uh, the ending where where Rachel and Adam have sex. Oh no, I don't care about that. Um, and okay. the preview for next week is was was incredibly predictable if you if you didn't see it yes yes it it is but that's for next week for this week uh i'll say um if you weren't invested in that i didn't know how invested you'd be in the rest of the discussion uh about if they're going to do a spinoff and and all that is is this second half of the season working as well for you as the first half did uh no i mean it's still enjoyable but i feel i feel like we've seen the show's best tricks already um uh it it now that we know that there's the possibility that there's going to be another show that she's still running and dude will still be there. Sorry. He's still just British dude to me. Um, I mean, I guess that's the show sewn up. Like that's what next season would be obviously. Cause otherwise what possible reason would they have to reunite the vast majority of these characters? Yeah. It, that is a, a good question of what does a season two look like? Because I've really enjoyed, and I've really enjoyed faith, really enjoyed faith. Like I love when they're trying to get them to do the sexy like mud thing and they just start yeah. start, like, that's great. Um, but yeah, it, it, finding, like, and I'm sorry, if you're going to pick a fake wife, why wouldn't you pick faith? Uh, no, I agree with that. If you're going to have a fake wife, I mean, I'm glad that they at least didn't make it the other one. Uh, but I don't know. I as I, I am enjoying Unreal. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure I believe that. I mean, it, it seems to be the consensus that it's like the best summer show, which uh, <laughs> no, it's not even the best new summer show. I don't think um, I am worried about its long term viability. Um, I think that it got some great kicks out of its premise and just how dark it could get in those early episodes. But if you're if if it can't get us all to be invested in its various shipping elements, which personally I'm not. I'm not sure what it can do other than that. Yeah, coming up with um, new beats, especially for the Constant Zimmer character, are are proving challenging. Now that we know what's going down with Chet, um, that will be, I think, a significant challenge for them. Otherwise, it's just easy for it to fall into the same trap as many reality shows, where it's just the same beats every every season every you know every episode so uh, i look forward to seeing how they tackle that and hopefully they're i mean i'm much more invested in the shipping than you are clearly because you're not invested and i am <laughs> but no. um yeah i i would like to see them have the the confidence to just go with a completely new like to do like the everlasting like the bachelorette version of Ever everlasting next season mm-hmm and and bring in one of the other bachelorettes, you know, uh, bring in one of the other contestants, maybe one of the contestants that got eliminated earlier on, um, and do the next season like that. Um, I don't know that they'll do that because that's not what shows like to do, re, like recycle most of their cast. But I feel like that would be a more interesting approach. Um, but that's for next season. For this season, I just hope they can end a little bit more confidently than maybe what we've been getting. I hope it's not all shipping driven, I guess. Um, yes. Next up is Deutschland 83, Brandy Station, and we're on the same page. We're caught up to the same number of episodes, finally. Um, where where are you at with Deutschland 83 right now? Uh, it's. It, I feel like this is what people think of, weirdly, when they think of a summer series. Like, it's, I don't know, when it started, I was expecting that it was going to be, oh, this will be like the artsy component of my summer watching, and it's totally not that at all. It's just ended up being just another completely silly pretty unbelievable uh sort of fun 
not quite procedural, but definitely like standard action show. It's it's not quite Strike Back for sure, but it's got some outsized action beats for sure. Um, another show where I think I'm supposed to care about the various romantic pairings, and I really, really don't. Yeah, I I don't either. I care about the lead though quite a bit, and so when we have yes. the, the with Annette and is he going to go back or not, like that was effective for me. I like Annette and I like him. I don't really care about them together, but I individually I'm invested in both of them. So that did work for me. And like, how are you feeling about the, was it Alex, right? The, the, uh, the son. Yeah. The son slash the, uh, uh, the gay love interest for the other spy yeah. dude. I love that. They basically just have the show go, no, he's, an, he's an idiot. He's just like, yes. I love that they commit to that this week. Yeah, this whole notion of he just walks into the front door of the embassy and is like, what up? I want to spy for you. <laughs> oh, ah, uh, that's really not how it works, dude. Yep. Yep. Uh, that was that was great. Um, the per- the performance is really one note <laughs> or rather he has two notes. He has like sweet and then he has shouty German. And it's it's a little bit much to take sometimes, uh, especially uh, particularly in the previous episode where he had that long argument with his dad. Um I also feel like he got away with with being sick for a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. It's like with like the the mom providing these flimsy excuses of like would this really I don't think I don't feel like that would have worked at a high school let alone like the German military. It's only a week. It's not that bad. I mean for still, it is for but, the military, yeah, but I'm just saying like with school or something like a still week. Still though. She was like he has a virus. It's mysterious. You can't see he can't see anyone. It's better if he stays where he is he at just, home where he, he can't be seen. He she she went in once. No, still. I, I Okay. I, I, maybe it's just the use of the word mysterious. Okay, just fair like, enough. Fair oh. Enough. Anyway, it's Any like other... it's like it's like a it's like my dog ate my homework. I guess, I suppose. Um <laughs> any other thoughts on this one or is it time for Mr. Robot? Yes, let's do that. We got some roboting to talk about because we very it's like the show looks directly at Cameron and says, "We hear you. Here's Christian Slater interacting with people." Right. Uh I have a theory on that. You already know it. I'm curious what your theory is. Uh my my hope, my my most ardent hope is that around episode 9 because uh Sam Esmail has talked about how he has a four or five season plan for this show, like a fairly explicit one, which is cool. Um, but if that's the case, dude, you cannot stretch this out for five seasons like that. You just can't. So I'm hoping around episode nine, he says, uh, uh, Elliot says something about, oh, yeah, Mr. Romo was it's like, no, dude, he wasn't there. But he was there for those other meetings. And so they, they sit down and they make an itemized list of these are the times that you made up that Christian Slater was in the room. Oh, OK. So I need to work on my meds. Cool. Wouldn't that be amazing? As long as they uh, don't just have it be like, this is what it is now, and it never comes up again. Like, as long as it doesn't turn into an Army Tanzarian situation, um, I'm totally cool with that. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, My theory is that it's a Tyler Durden pretty straight up, and... Because when you what you note is when Christian Slater is throwing things around and directly talking with, not just at, but with someone... Uh, our, our lead is leaning back, not interacting with anyone. So it's like he's the consciousness uh, is jumping back and forth between the two actors. And it seemed pretty clear to me. Um, 
they need to do again. I think they need to just commit to it and stop trying to like string that along. And like you said, I didn't know there was a multi-year plan. Um, that is, this is this is getting old, and we're like halfway through, just over halfway through the first season. I can't imagine this continuing past the first season. But I, I think it's worth emphasizing though, because everything else about the show, I think, is pretty much working better over time. Yes, I uh, agree. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much I care about the adventures of creepy sweet Swedish guy. But they're certainly effective, um, and he's effectively creepy. And uh, the, the scenes with the with the business rival and his wife, I thought worked, um, even if they weren't super important. Um, I've discovered that the internet really hates uh, Angela, the Porsche Doubleday character. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, Why? Uh, uh, because they think that. Well, I, I mean, not the whole internet, but I was definitely reading a lot of commenters being like that they thought that she was horrible for. Uh, for setting up her her boyfriend, even though yes, he did a bad thing, but blah blah, like dudes, come on, no, 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 basically because he's been funny and she hasn't, so and also gender, uh, they're like you shouldn't do that, man. It's like, uh, this guy was screwing around on her, and uh, who knows what else, and then guilt tripping her, uh, when she's not happy. Uh, and also that. did st- stunningly stupid things. Stunningly um, stupid things. Yeah. 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 I th- I was I found it so refreshing that she was just like, nope, not dealing with this. Setting you up. Bye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> that yeah. was fantastic. Didn't need her standing at a literal fork in the road at the end of the episode. That bit was a little much. bit much. Yeah. Um, everything with that was great. Uh, did we actually? And this was also the week of the heist. Yes, we had a heist. There was there was a heist and, and yeah. I thought it went I thought it went well I really liked the way they incorporated things the talk of exploits worked uh, better for me this week than it did before I I will say that their very not subtle metaphors um, are working way more than they should yes and the, I mean the show's doing all sorts of things that aren't working like for instance the narration completely works like yeah. I don't have any well, issue with it every time he goes I've made you up. I've invented you. You don't exist like that. It's like, guys, just, just stop. Just stop. Right. Other than that, though, I think it's been mostly effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I was also reading a, 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 a an inter- I'm going to keep this short, but I was reading an interview with a technical advisor who was talking about how they work to keep the, the technical stuff fairly accurate uh, to the point where they, uh, they have changed plot lines to be more realistic. Like, oh, oh yeah, great. we can't do that. We, like that wouldn't work technologically, but this would if you could do that instead, which is nice. really cool. Very respectful. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look up that interview. Um, but for now, let's you know we're still enjoying Mr. Robot. I look forward to how they what they come up with for Slater. But uh, let's move on to rectify sown with salt. And uh, yeah, I that sheriff just will not drop the stuff which is what he should be doing it's like it's i like that they have i'm invested in the sheriff way more than i should be well and i and i think it helps that daniel's being sketchy as fuck like super sketchy super sketchy clearly uh i think part of him wants to clearly wants to go back to prison um Mm -hmm. and they that's not something that they're trying to hide uh he is clearly playing fast and loose with his own life uh much to John's eternal dismay, and he is actually the character I felt the worst for in this episode, like pretty mm-hmm. easily. Um, and but other than that, I thought this was pretty much the the Amantha hour, as as painful as Amantha still is to say. Uh, it was so strange to go back and watch old Mad Men episodes and see Abigail Spencer as like an object of Don Draper's affection. 
and not Amantha. Well, you could see her on uh, 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 True Detective Season 2 right now if you wanted, but then you'd have to watch True Detective Season 2. Exactly. For, for me, I mean, I first uh, recognized her or got you know knew her as Abigail Spencer back uh, on My Boys because she's in that show's clear best episode uh douchebag in the city um something like that the sex and city episode but um but no so i really have, have come to to like her more and more on rectify and this amantha stuff here is fa- fabulous um and the way that the show this season we've talked about this previously uh, off air but the way they've got, been so much more self-aware about amantha mm-hmm. as a name uh it really feels like they made like the first two seasons in a bubble and then they started reading you know, people listening to things people are saying about the show. And this season, they've had a couple different... Amantha, oh, uh, do people call you Amanda a lot? I bet that... Does that get old? Is that annoying? <laughs> and then here, <laughs> you know, we get a call back to it. I thought that was great. Uh, so that's really, really helping, as is the performance from from Spencer. I also really like what we get with J. Smith Cameron here, where she's starting, again, to, to act out a little bit and let some things through the cracks. Um, the stuff with her in the in the kitchen and... Um, yeah, they're, they're letting her have more reactions or letting things sink in. And maybe it's taken enough time now that we're in the third season and it's been a couple weeks, yeah. uh, for her to start expressing some of this stuff. So I, 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 I like where that looks like it's headed and, uh, hopefully we'll get quite a bit more of interest with her. Yeah. I'm I'm just hoping they can have the restraint to at no point this season, have a character walk into that unfinished kitchen and yell, it's a metaphor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. Yep. Anyways, uh, let's move on to Humans, episode five. What are you, what are you uh, picking up with here? We, we have um, the, the group almost completely together. The, the stupidest or the least uh, effective fake out of all time. Um, and we also get uh, seemingly the death or disappearance of Mia from within Anita. They can't find her. Um, how, how is all this working for you? Are you just more interested in the marital relationship at the core? Wait, what was the least effective fake out of all time? Oh, I totally killed, uh, d- destroyed that robot, that one of a kind priceless robot that they need to be able to get to have all four of them come together. Yes, I did. Uh, wait a minute, but wasn't the four... I was, see, I was confused about that because if there's supposed to be four of them, there's Miska, there's the there's the main dude Leo or whatever his name is, um, there is the there's the black guy, and then Miska. Miska's the 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 blonde. Okay, the five need to get together then. But Sorry. Th- but they said four on the show too, so I was confused about that. Well, anyway. I think that's because Leo is something different. Yeah. We, but he but he was the one who had the dream, so I don't know. Anyway, yeah. all strange. I mean, I, I didn't even think about that. I'm still not at all. I don't care about the villains of the show still, even mm-hmm. though they're, they're kind of starting to dimensionalize, dimensionalize them a little bit. Um, I really like pairing up Miska and William Hurt. Uh, that was great. Um, and the fact that it didn't end with her getting stabby by the end was good because mm-hmm. <laughs> she really that that actress is really good at just playing. I want to get stabby soon. It's the season. It's between this and True Detective. It seems to be the, the era of of stabby women, and I'm all into it. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's great. And the more they get, and I, I'm also glad that we find that, that we didn't take more than an episode to get to. Yeah, I I I I I, I fucked the robot nanny. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they they delayed that a, a little bit, but I'm glad they don't wait too long on it. Um, and I really like again the reaction we get from Laura to to that and. Um, 
I don't know why they're turning the robot back in on all that. Like, Laura spends the episode, uh, the previous, being like, we have to figure out what happened to Anita. She's part of the family. And then this episode, it's, she's old, so we're going to send her back. Because there's something weird. Not, we need to figure it out. Like, it just seemed like too much of a shift to just yeah, not that it matters. the plot. Not that it matters, because it's not going to happen. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I agree. Uh, I, don't, I don't really see how they can ever salvage the husband now. I feel no. like he's 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 dead weight at this point. Yeah. But we'll see. What we'll see what happens. Um and how does he not know that Tom is her dead son? Uh I I I don't know. Like that's I, I assumed like after we the pictures and things that we found, Tom is she had a son who died, right? I mean I feel like he would know about that if that's what it was. What else could it be? Because they're well, pushing we'll so hard out. on infidelity that it can't be that, and that would be boring. So, anyways, uh, let's let's move on. I love the love our listeners' thoughts on that, but let's move on to halt and catch fire, Kali. Um, this was awesome. Yes, uh, this had one of the only like we've we've watched a lot of TV. It's very very <laughs> rare. Like. Usually I'll watch a show and it's and if it does a well executed twist, I'll be like, "Well done. You executed that twist that I saw coming very, very well." It's <laughs> it's rare that it actually surprises me ever. Uh, and I admit they got me with the whole with the with the floppy disk virus. Yeah, um yeah, that that was effective and I was expecting after seeing that that Joe would go out and sabotage and would, you know, you know, help out, but uh, I did not anticipate uh, that it would actually be Cameron the whole time. I like that so much better. Yes. Um, and I love that shot of her laying on the grass or whatever. Um, fabulous. Uh, so there's so much to like here, and I don't know that I'm buying the, when you say her name, like, that was a bit... A bit I don't much. Know, I, well, and maybe it's because we haven't seen season one, so I'm not... For me, I'm not seeing this like magic come over Lee Pace's face when he says Cameron. Um, So maybe there's something that we're missing because of that lack of context. But for me, while they have really good chemistry together, um, I am like infinitely more like they have very good chemistry. Yes, but I'm infinitely more invested in Cameron and Tom. Right. Which or Joe and Sarah. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm hoping this is this is the end of uh, Cameron's. uh, Sorry. uh, Of. uh, terrible terrible things happen to gordon because we've gotten we've gotten that for like four straight episodes and i feel like we got the point yeah we're finally there. i like that they confirmed that it's not medical though because that seemed we talked about that it seemed like it was way too precipitous uh so th- this makes more sense um any final thoughts on halt and catch fire anything else you want from this uh season before it ends up scoot mcnary is one of those people who should have a beard i'm sorry <laughs> he just is okay fair enough uh I I will I will ponder that this week and report back on on facial hair watch for or desired facial hair watch I suppose. Uh but in the meanwhile, what wins your week in genre and drama? Ah, oh, I will Oh. I mean, the Hannibal award goes to Hannibal obviously. Um beyond that, uh, uh I feel like I should give it to Masters of Sex to encourage them to keep getting better. Okay, fair enough. Um, I will, I mean, Hannibal Ward goes to Hannibal. But uh, after that, I will give it to um, Rectify. It, Rectify was very good. Um, halt and Catch Fire 
Very good. I guess I'll give it to Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, I feel I feel bad that I'm not giving more love to Rectify. We love Rectify here at the Televerse. Um, I just think I feel like they're going to have a transcendent episode yeah, here exactly. in I'm a week or two. Yeah, but uh, but so much great TV right now. Um, but now uh, a few show notes. You can find a post up for this episode at soundonsite.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook to follow Goings On on Sound On Site TV and to start a conversation there. You can also uh, rate or review us in iTunes where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And uh, of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Simon, you are? At Sucker Howell. Now, uh, what is our question of the week? Or should we just leave that with our contest? Uh, I think we should do that. We should pimp that a little bit more. So in case you you know skip through the introduction, we are giving away the codes to uh, downloads of HD copies of the second season of Silicon Valley and the fourth season of Veep. The we one hacked them. One person will be getting both of those. And to enter, either leave a comment at Sound On Site or email theteleverse at gmail.com with your favorite line or moment. Did I get that right? Yes. From from either. Um, and if you want a, an additional extra entry, uh, then send us uh, send myself at the Televerse uh, a GIF or a video clip of that moment or your fa- you know your favorite moments from the, from that. And you, max of what? You keep sending them. I love gifts. Keep sending them to me, but you're only going to get one extra from yeah. that. It's not per GIF. That sounds about right. Uh, however, uh, now we will, uh, with that out of the way and mentioned once more, we will take a break and come back with friend of the show, Ryan McGee, to talk about Mad Men. Old gold man, huh? Lucky strike here. Can I ask you a question? Why do you smoke old gold? I'm sorry, sir. Is uh, Sam here bothering you? He can be a little chatty. No, we're actually just having a conversation. Is that okay? Can I get you another drink? Yeah. Do this again. Old-fashioned, please. So you obviously need to relax after working here all night. Yes. I don't know. But what is it? I mean, low-tar, those new filters? Why, I mean, why old gold? They gave them to us in the service. A card in a week for free. So you're used to them, is that it? Yeah. They'll have it. Well, I could never get you to try another brand, say, my luckies. I love my old golds. All right, well, let's just say tomorrow a tobacco weevil comes and eats every last old gold on the planet. That's a sad story. It's a tragedy. Would you just stop smoking? I think I could find something. I, I love smoking. I love smoking. That's very good. My wife hates it. Reader's Digest says it will kill you. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> Ladies love their magazines. <laughs> yes, they do.
We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week on the DVD shelf, very excited to welcome back friend of the show from BoobTube Dude and like a bajillion other places at various times, uh, Mr. Ryan McGee. Ryan, welcome back. Hey, good to be back. And this week we are tackling Mad Men because we've just been like, you know, really taking it easy on ourselves this summer. We had we did Sopranos. Uh, then we we did, went for the cult comedy route with Young Ones. Um, and now we're like, let's take on Mad Men. Just a few. And we did The Wire again earlier this year. So just a few kind of significant shows. We wanted to give ourselves a little bit of space from the series finale of Mad Men to kind of get a little distance, do some rewatching. And I'm very glad that we did. It was a really interesting experience we were watching some of the show, and I'm very glad that you're here to join us, Ryan. Uh, how how are you feeling with a little bit of distance from the Mad Men finale? How are you feeling about uh, that finale, but also the the series as a whole? I mean, I liked the finale as it was unfolding. I was sort of shocked to turn on my Twitters and see the vehement negative reaction, at least in my part of the Twitterverse. Um, I guess this is a show. I, what I always loved about Mad Men is it fell very uh, distinctly into a category of television I love, which I've called in the past serialization without destination, which is sort of like my sweet spot of television because I don't like the overly plotty type shows. One of the things that was, and a lot of people wrote about this as uh, the, the, the last seven episodes or so of Mad Men were airing, was that unlike a show like Breaking Bad, where it seemed like there was a, a, a fairly specific geographic location in which the show could end, Mad Men could really go anywhere. And for some, that was terrifying or weird. For me, that was exhilarating, because I never knew quite where it was going. In the moment, you could occasionally be like, I don't know why we're spending so much time with this character, or why is Glenn back, or anything along the lines of that. <laughs> you know, like, we, we, we can discuss all that in, in, in this segment, but overall, it was it was fine. I was actually one of the few people that, that didn't think Don did the ad uh in the immediate aftermath of that, although that's probably Me the too. reason. Me too. Oh, I was okay. like the other one. It was just us. It was just us. <laughs> but I think we'll, we'll get into interpretations maybe in this overall segment. But overall, I was very happy with it. It's one of my favorite shows of the past decade. Uh, I would, I still put it over Breaking Bad personally for me, but that's more about specific taste rather than execution. That's nothing against Breaking Bad, which I also really, really loved. But for me, what I like about television, especially in its adherence to the 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 episode as the central focus of what the show is trying to accomplish. Uh, I loved it, and I have very fond memories of it. Had it then, I still have it now. What was really interesting for me watching some Mad Men in preparation for this was that when it was on, most of the time, I really respected and really enjoyed Mad Men but didn't as much as everybody else I knew. And so that really um, kind of barred me from some level of enjoyment to it because I would see these, uh, the way that I connect with Hannibal and write these ridiculously in-depth and uh, scrutinizing reviews of Hannibal, I felt like everybody, all the critics I respected, felt that way about Mad Men. And so when I would watch some, uh, an episode, I wouldn't necessarily have that same connection to it. And so anytime you find yourself surrounded by people who feel more strongly about something you do, if you're me and, you know, ornery, it's easy to get pushed the opposite direction. And so what was really exciting for me to discover as I went back and watched, granted I was watching it best of assortment, but as I went back and watched the show was how much I really, really loved the episodes that I was seeing. And especially the the early season of the show, because I had never rewatched 
any Mad Men from when I started watching the show and probably, I want to say I watched it from the, from the beginning, but if I didn't, I certainly caught up somewhere in season two, maybe the very beginning of season three. And, um, I had never rewatched any of it and they would have these longer breaks and I would, you know, have a vague familiarity or strong familiarity with the characters, but, um, with the performances and have this fond attachment to the show and really respect it. But in going back and watching season one, not only are they all like there's Muppet babies, they're all madman babies, ex- yeah. except for yes. Christina Hendricks, because Joan, uh, she will, she, she's never been anybody's Muppet baby. Um, but, um, not only was it that, but also I was immediately sucked into the world and sucked into the characters. And I was watching a Peggy and Pete scene and, and it, making my shipper heart go pitter pat, even though I hate <laughs> Pete so much. Um, I was very uh, surprised and delighted to see how much I, I connected with the show with a little bit of distance and without all that chatter surrounding it. And I look forward to when I have some time at some point doing a full rewatch, because I think I will get much more out of it this time than I did watching it week to week. Simon, did you discover anything by rewatching this time? Um, I, I'm not sure if I discovered anything. I think I mostly just solidified my existing positions. Uh, on the show, although I definitely had a, had a, I also had not ever really done any rewatching, to my knowledge, uh, or to my recollection. I'd like to try to keep this macro, so we're not here forever. Um, but uh, first of all, um, everyone has always been wrong about Betty. Can we just, <laughs> we just get this out of the way? Not everyone, but the vast majority of the internet. The worst thing about Mad Men has always been the way people talk about Mad Men. Yes. I think we can all agree on this. Um, I, I, I just I'd say if there's anything about I've only watched a handful of episodes since I haven't done a full rewatch, but I think the distancing, the best thing you can do for it is just it, it reveals itself as the purely entertaining show it was always meant to be, and people happen to be able to also talk about three thousand words per week about it. Is that a fair right. statement? Yeah. And 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 as long as you're tuning people out, make sure to also tune out Matthew Weiner, uh, yes. because uh, I have to say that his. Re- uh, the one thing that I really wish I hadn't read was his take on his own finale, uh, which really made me question the way he saw the entire series and uh, really made made him a, a person whose opinions I didn't want to read, even though I very much respected his work. And I think he's an incredible writer and director. Um, the other thing that, that I, I find fascinating about the end of Mad Men is that with Mad Men gone, it was like the last consensus show. Um, at least the last real one. I mean, obviously everyone, the vast majority of people who watch Hannibal love it, um, but that's got a slightly more limited audience because of the extreme violence. Um, and everyone who loves, uh, everyone who watches Rectify loves it, but no one watches Rectify. Um, and there's n- there's nothing else that's really capturing the conversation in the same way. Now that Breaking Bad's over and since Mad Men ended, uh, there's nothing else that really uh, is able to bring everyone together in the same way. Uh, even if it didn't always keep everyone happy, um, and I and I don't know if it ever will happen again because there's just so many shows now, as we struggle with every week on the Televerse. Um, there's just so much, and I, I think it came in at the right time and ended at just about the right time to to maintain that status for the for the duration. Now that it's gone, I I don't know if we're ever going to get that back again. I don't know if I need it back, but I th- I just think it's neat that that era is over. And this era started, I mean, you think about back in there, like, wait a second, we have to watch shows in AMC, don't they just air westerns? Like, that seemed like a, 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 
Just having yeah. to keep up with one extra network seemed like a big deal. And now I'm like, oh, God damn it, Lifetime has good shows now. What am I going <laughs> to do? What am I going to do about that in my life? So, but I think you're right. It's, um, the consensus shows we have right now are sort of like the, the popular shows are like Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. And those are very divisive, even amongst those that are watching it. So I think you're right in terms of the, the overall, here's the thing we all can kind of agree about. Mm-hmm. We probably have lost that, but I think this is a show that will continue to keep finding audiences uh, throughout the next couple of decades anyway, so people will glom to it in their own way. And I think also, like, the, the, the kind of greatness that it had was a not a, was, it was not a revolutionary form of greatness. Um, it was, I mean, maybe for television, but, the, you know, there wasn't anything, like you said, it's not, a, not really a plot-based show. It was really more about, hey here's kind of an interesting subject area. Um, let's populate it with fantastically detailed characters played by really great actors and give them really great stuff to say. And let's do it for 13 hours a year. And it really, like at its best, that's kind of what it boiled down to. I was really struck watching the pilot. Um, it's good pilot, but that it didn't feel revolutionary it just felt like a really good show and so much of what i was watching while um there are certain episodes and certain moments that stand out as maybe a transcendent thing and we're going to talk about that a little bit later because i got to talk about burke cooper singing um but for the for on the whole as i was re-watching some of these episodes it was just this is a really really good show and it doesn't um Again, for me, without the baggage of everything surrounding it, without all these discussions of and all this, you know, the think pieces about Betty. And I wonder if this won't happen for me with some distance with girls in a similar way. Um, I could just sit back and enjoy these performers and, and see them, some of these characters, and some of these performers um, in a much clearer light. And with that, I got to say, I know we're trying to keep things macro, but... In rewatching these, especially the earlier episodes, damn January Jones and, and Vincent Carthizer are great right from the start. Who's not great right from the start? Everyone <laughs> is. But I mean, I feel like I feel like Pete, got, especially as we started giving him more comedy, we kind of got to know him for that, and I certainly did. Not great, Bob, and everything, um, but the the dramatic and the the, the the he feels like such a different character early on, but. Because I had the baggage of uh, of Connor from Angel, <laughs> sure. I spent at least a season or two um, as I was watching Mad Men, being like, "Oh, I guess he, I guess he's not bad." Whereas this time, I watched it and said, "No, he's really, really, really good." And when you talk about Betty uh, Simon, I absolutely agree. There's all of this, you know, this the reaction to Betty just you know has, has been odd to me for a while. But specifically, January Jones's performance, I think, is. Absolutely. We talked about this back when Mad Men ended. You, you theorized that this would be one of the elements of the show that you would be most um, attuned to on rewatch. And so maybe that's why I was paying attention to her performance. But I think she's fantastic right right from the beginning. And that it makes the, the questions of, oh, is she a good actress? I mean, I if any time I contributed to that conversation, I just, you know, all of the humble pie and all of the crow <laughs> because she's so good when she's given the material. I would agree with the material part of it. And I was watching uh, Guy Walks into an Advertising Agency last night. So I was watching that one as my – and a lot of that has to do with her and Jean has just been born and she's dealing with her daughter and that sort of coldness there. And there's – I know the insta reactions of what we had to, 
think about that, but the the notes that she's playing in the sense that she's not doing these out of spite a lot of times, even though she does feel as if her character has been maligned in some way, but she's also a product of her time, a product of her society, and Matt Weiner really kind of, and the writers gave that character that material. So whenever, a lot of times people could could excuse the characters and they could say, all right, the show is not uh, commenting favorably upon these things, but whenever it came to Betty, it seems as if they were just, they were they, could, they couldn't distance themselves from the type of hatred we were supposed to have for that character and the sympathy, but they couldn't get to the sympathy part of it either for whatever reason for there. And then there are some times in which, you know, I'm not going to defend Betty up and down, you know, the, the fainting couch episodes, one of the worst episodes they ever did. That wasn't so great, but by and large, and yeah, and she broke my heart in that last season. So I do wonder, and I want you guys to think about this is that when you go back and rewatch a show, what kind of, I don't want to say the word baggage is the right word, but how do you, how much of what we know they did later? Like how much does uh, Carthizer's performance later in the series retroactively make you appreciate what he did in season one more, Kate? Oh, I think it can't help, but, um, and, 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 and seeing how the characters grow and change over time, going back and reminding yourself of where they started from, um, and the Especially kind of, season one, Peggy, holy crap. Season one, everyone, like uh, Conroy, uh, uh, Kenny, sorry, Cosgrove, not Conroy, <laughs> Cosgrove. I was like, I don't remember the show very well. Who the yeah, hell clearly, Conroy? no, my, my bad. Season one, uh, season one, Kenny is like, he's like hitting creepily on Peggy in the elevator when we first meet him. Like, he's a completely different character. Um, and I do think that, that having that sense of where they go and where they, how they, eventually change and the performances change as well as the characters uh it does bring baggage and it does give you a different perspective i don't know if it's a less valid perspective or a more valid perspective but um what what i think it can do is allow you to appreciate when you know how the characters will make certain choices later on like for example to to go to to don because I know eventually he does get off the merry-go-round of, of I say I'm going to fix my life and then I just regress, um, I can get a little less frustrated when he doesn't early on. That was the, the, the one thing holding back season five for me when I was watching it is he, he says all these big pronouncements about, you know, he takes the kids over to his childhood home and, and all of that. I'm like, oh, that's a great moment, but I don't believe for a second the show wasn't going to have him relapse. And now that I know that they don't really, they have him grow in some kind of way. They don't just keep repeating themselves. I can appreciate that moment um, without the doubt or the, the maybe the, the lack of trust for the writers that really kept me from fully embracing it when it first aired. So I think that there can be negative baggage, of course, but I, but but it also really frees me in in a way to to appreciate, you know, without without doubt, without you know, without those lingering suspicions. Yeah, and I don't think there's too many blind alleys on Mad Men, unlike a lot of other shows where if you start watching it again, having having you know knowing what's gonna what's gonna come uh, especially on a lot more plot driven shows you know you know a subplot is coming and you think oh this this kind of holds promise but i know it doesn't really pan out or, <laughs> the temple on lost uh or <laughs> i was thinking of, of uh kalinda's ex-husband yep uh, or kalinda's anyone um true <laughs> or kalinda true. anyway um but or, or or a character shows, shows up and you think oh i like this actor but they don't really get anything to do that that really doesn't happen on Mad Men, at least from what I remember. 
And something that I was really impressed with on my, I rewatched about somewhere between 12 and 15 episodes is I really felt for the writers because there were so many mistresses. <laughs> there were just so many mistresses and it was such, it must've been such a challenge to come up with interesting, uh, interesting characters for Don to have extramarital affairs with, uh, and not have that feel like, just come on, really? And we, and you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the actresses they brought in and the characters, everyone from like Miss, from Miss Farrell to, uh, to Dr. Faye to, um, I mean, it's Rosemary DeWitt in the pilot, which I completely forgot about. And I assume she hangs around for a while after that, but I didn't rewatch those episodes. Oh yeah. Um, and comes back later too. Midge, prominent character. Right. Uh, and, and so many of them. And, uh, that's so, that's uh, something else I'm looking forward to. Uh, to getting into is the chronology of the mistresses uh, on a, on a proper rewatch, but man, to to get that note to write over to or to get that trope to write over and over and to, and to get to slash have to do something different with it every time uh, must have been a real challenge, and I think they they pulled it off. I wonder about this because I'm trying to think about. It. I think two things has come out of this. One is that I wonder if in ten years people are going to read about or hear about this Mad Men show that everyone loved. And they're going to watch it, and they're going to wonder what's the fuss. Because the show, I think as you point out, Simon, doesn't really call attention to itself as, this is amazing television. And Kate, you touched upon this as well. I'm wondering if the more subdued nature of it is, is going to be a preventative factor from people sort of being able to uh, identify why people went so so crazy about this. I do also wonder, and you mentioned Lost, Kate, like how many of these actors are going to be able to transcend these particular roles? Like, I, I still can't figure out why John Hamm isn't a bigger, like, movie star at this point. Is he just Don Draper forever at this point? Is he, is he was so good in the role? He, partly because people thought he looked like it, but that's just that undersells what he was doing in the show. Are people going to be able to accept him, and what would he have to do to sort of move on from that? Well, he's been doing a lot of comedy, uh, which has worked out very well for him, but I think, for, for him, uh, but I think it, my guess would be that it comes down to a couple things. First of all, he's very handsome. Um, and for the, we have this thing in a lot of American uh, television and, uh, and, and film where we just, somebody decided that attractive people aren't funny. Um, and so we have a hard time uh, casting attractive people as comedic leads. Um, and, and this happens with, with women a lot where there's this, just this assumption, let's bring in a, a pretty person and we just assume that they can't be funny, so we won't even bother giving them funny things to say. God, uh, it's awful to be so attractive. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think that we have just a conception that goes with his physical appearance, the way that a any actor has to deal with. Um, and he's gotten to play on that in delightful ways in some of, some of his guest roles and everything. But I, there's sort of a, we expect the funny guy to look like X. Your comedic lead looks like X. Um, so, uh, I think that is some of it with the comedy, uh, with comedy and with, uh, with drama, I think there's a combination of some of the stuff he's done, um, at least has not been well reviewed. There was that baseball movie, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Billion dollar arm. Yeah. Yeah. Billion dollar paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's some of that, uh, and, and also just, uh, when he's in, so when he's in dramatic roles, I think we do have this connection of him as Don, uh, as, or at least maybe the people doing the casting, maybe the people doing the green lighting have this connection to him as, as, as Don. And so I think he'll have to 
try to find something different to, to, to distinguish himself and all even just like have a little bit of time off. Um, sort of like Cranston with um, a Malcolm in the Middle going into Breaking Bad. Um, I could, I would expect to see him continue to branch out in, into comedies and, and sort of do that for a while. But um, I think there's also this assumption if he's not the lead in, he should be the lead because he's got this fantastic uh, performance and uh, uh, behind him and he's such an amazing actor. Um, but then the kinds of roles he's being offered are these not particularly interesting things like billion dollar arm. Well, and I think the difficulty for him is also like on the surface, uh, if you just, if you were to read like the log line of what Mad Men's about, Don Draper sounds fucking boring. Like it's, it's not a, it's not in theory that interesting a part. It's like, Oh, okay. Any handsome guy could play this and you need to sort of really get into the show and find out about his backstory. Uh, and, sort of the complexity of his, of his interrelationships and how he tries and fails to be better uh, over and over until he maybe succeeds. Uh, it, it, unless you have all that, like it, he, it doesn't seem like what he's doing is all that special. Yeah. To be fair, most of the log lines were, you know, Don has trouble at work. Joan takes a meeting. <laughs> oh, the previews. I loved the previews so much. I miss them more than the show. and not afraid to admit that. <laughs> um, but also, but it's strange about this. You, know, you mentioned the comedy thing, Kate. And I think the show's secret weapon is that on any given week, it was the funniest episode of television. Uh, a period. Just for an hour long. The way, But I don't think Don himself was always allowed to be funny unless he was pretending to be a baby in a meeting, which was very funny. So, <laughs> But overall, I mean, the show made me laugh so hard, so often, not just Great Bob. Just moments here and there, all of uh, Slattery's one-liners. You know, uh, oh, my the, God. Uh, there's a reason it's special guest John Slattery, like, every week. <laughs> Another guy who's, like, you know, kind of, like, sawed-off uh, personality in the Marvel movies, you know, as, uh, as Papa Stark, but in this show, again... The, the perfect and so many and I don't know how maybe we have to just give props to the casting department uh, for Mad Men or AMC whoever get this cast together because it's really there are very few times where I think man I wish someone else was playing this particular role I mean are there any misfires that we can you guys can think of I don't want to bring the whole thing down here but you know to me you know I mean Kiernan Shipka I mean what a miraculous bit of casting Jared Harris Rich Summer I mean Harry Crane's an a hole but he played that a hole beautifully. Um, so were there any sort of things like that where either particular inspired casting or ones are like, well, maybe they missed the boat a little bit on that. I always found Alexis Bledel a little weird, but, uh, I think that's just because of, you know, outside baggage. Uh, the only thing upon rewatching that really stood out to me and just was glaring, um, every flashback is terrible. They should never do them. They should feel bad about having Not done them. Not every flashback. Oh my god, the vast majority. They're just, he's got a great show going, and then there's a flashback, and you're like, oh crap, I forgot, <laughs> that's the thing the show used to do. And it's just, it's, it's just, uh, the, the net benefit from them, in relation to the net like loss, is no comparison. I mean, there are certain things that I think you should see, like, it's weird to just have Don say, uh, my dad was kicked to death by a horse. I feel like that's the sort of thing you got to see. Uh, and there's a couple things in his past that I think you should see. But I think it's season five or season six. Uh, or maybe, anyway, somewhere between season four and six, there was a season where they were just all over the place. And it was like, why is this happening? Yeah, so you're saying you want to do like the George Lucas edit, Kate, and just take all the, all the uh, flashbacks out? Uh, well, I mean, I I wouldn't 
do that because you take the good, you take the bad, and then you have Mad Men and every show ever. But um, but yeah, it just was really jarring to me this time. Yeah, where are you with that? Where, where are you with the flashbacks, Ryan? I, I try to I try to think about them as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what I mean. It made a certain sense in season one as we were trying to. Because I think it's the third episode of the show where we first hear the words Dick Whitman, uh, the man in the train. Calls him Dick, and you're like, what, 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 what's going on with this? Sh- what, what are they talking about? And they kind of unpeel that in some of the flashbacks, especially uh, the stuff to uh, to the war. That made you, to see that you know it was impactful in its own way. But I think it was season five where they leaned on it just way too much. When, when people complain about the flashbacks, what they really mean is they're complaining about the flashbacks to Dick's childhood, right? Like yeah. that's ninety nine percent of what. Like the stuff in the war is fine. Yeah. yeah, or or like flashing back to when when he met Betty, that was fine. Uh, the first yeah. time he meets all the people from uh, from the from the office, how he kind of conned Roger into uh, getting the job in the first place. That all stuff was great. Um, but yeah, it's the, the hobo life. I think is what we're talking about here for mm-hmm. execution, not necessarily for ideas. I mean, you know. Well, and and basically, John Hamm's performance is so strong. You don't need to see all of that. That's really how I feel about most of the flashbacks to his childhood. We're seeing the way that this stuff has shaped him and affected him. And it, he, it's such a powerful performance and the writing for him as well, and the direction for the character as well. Uh, when he's talking about these things, I didn't gain anything by watching his dad get kicked by a horse. I didn't gain anything by watching uh, his first sexual experience be rape. Like, I... I did. I was getting all of that, everything that I needed from Ham's performance. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair, but I still wanted to see that horse thing happen. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's also it also was wasn't used enough to the point where it felt like it was organic to the the, the show's narrative style, and maybe that was part of it. Where it seemed to not be like like Lost or Orange is the New Black. Where all right, I'm going to get some present. I'm going to get some past. This is the the, the regular flow of the show. Um, maybe on something like Vampire Diaries or Angel for a while, you get a lot of flashbacks and that's like part of a season that they're doing where they're telling, a or Arrow will do that same way to, to lesser or greater success. Very lesser in season three, quite good in season two, but with Mad Men, it would kind of come out sporadically. And maybe that's part of why, in addition to execution, they never really felt like one of my favorite episodes of all time, most people would say would be, um, the suitcase. And there's like a little ghost scene where he sees, you know, uh, Anna. Anna. And it, it came so far out of left field. It wasn't what the way that Mad Men usually does it that as great as that episode is, that moment felt a little weird for me and still does because not, you're not used to it. And sometimes surprise is good, but sometimes it just it, it calls attention to the artifice of what you're watching. It, it wasn't until this rewatch that I was okay with it. <laughs> it does. I like that the, when they embrace those elements more and more as the show continues and they feel less shackled to convention. Um, I really did uh, enjoy that as the show developed. But when we talk about casting, that is really, I think, what comes down what it comes down to in these flashbacks, because they did go back to Dick's childhood a lot. And I never felt a connection to the any of the basically any of the characters from that time period any of the performances any of the characters if you had if you had a kieran shipka level actor playing young dick then completely different story but you know it's it's rare enough to find one kieran shipka <laughs> i love him too yeah you, you felt about as attached to young dick as you did to bobby draper 
any of them. I felt more connected to Bobby Draper, any of the various individual Bobby Draper. I felt much, <laughs> much, much more connected to Gene, young, old, any of them, uh, than I did to <laughs> Dick Whitman. Do we have any other uh, specific either uh, casting or characters, like minor characters that we want to give a shout out to here? Oh, God. I'll, I'll, I'll stand all the time. He's not minor, but he's probably in the second tier. Stan rules. Stan is so great. Um, and it, it, it was really, uh, I'd forgotten how much Harry, uh, like in the early seasons, he seems to be all right. And then like a, 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 a switch flips and he just becomes like m- major asshole. Major asshole. Yeah. He just like, he starts out and, he, and he's another one of the, he's one of the more likable of yeah. the group. And then he's kind of just... like Ken. He just slimes up and slimes up and like, like we he's got he reaches a fork in the road and he could become freedom rider uh Harry or he could become what he does. And yeah, that's yeah, very I mean, he, different futures. It's amazing with the moment the, the, the cognitive dissonance between what we know and they know, when we realize Harry's getting to television, we realize he's locking into the greatest opportunity he possibly could have. Had absolutely nothing to do with skill and in fact it was the opposite. They almost gave it to him as a punishment. And right, end up yeah. sort of flourishing. I also want to give a shout out to Ben Feldman as uh, Michael Ginsburg. I uh, loved that character, even if he had one of the most ignominious uh, exits from the show of anyone <laughs> possible. Or in TV history. Or TV uh, history. Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't yeah. going to go that bold, but sure, let's go that bold. Why not? The, let's do it. Um, the, you know, since, since someone already mentioned the suitcase, I just wanted to mention uh, that is a great episode. Um, and. You know, when I when I was thinking back to it and thinking about why people think it's a great episode, I always remembered how tragic it is. But then rewatching it, that episode is also completely hilarious. Yeah. Uh, in ways, I mean, that episode has Sterling's gold. <laughs> and uh, Ida Blankenship. Ow, ow. And, and Ida, yes, yes, that and everything with uh, with um, Peggy's uh, poor, poor, but also dumb boyfriend and his attempt to have family dinner for her birthday. And several other things that are just complete duck and wow. duck. Yes, duck trying to take a dump on the on the chair, <laughs> on Sterling's chair. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing for me with the suitcase. Um, when it first aired, everybody was losing their minds over that's what the money's for, and I was like, watching, going, "Well, he's not wrong," uh, <laughs> and, and, and wondering why everybody connected so much to that line. Whereas for me, it was their chat at at the diner and like it was mm. this whole it's not just a one moment you know episode it's it's the whole shape of it it's it's the way that that episode really emphasizes like this is a important step in their relationship and the respect and the hardship that comes with it within that episode you know the the respect that don shows to peggy and Peggy Dedon in that episode is just as important as the slap in the face um, that that he, you know, of that line, too. So, yeah, and like you say, the blend of comedy and... Yeah, well, we like, our, we like our moments gifable, Kate. We like to yeah. have these very small things that we can hang on to and make into short, you know, looping animated things to boil it down. That's the equivalent of, you know, I am the one who knocks, which mm-hmm. a lot of people get as... Do not get the context of as much as uh, to that own self be true. I mean, you could all those yeah. things, you know, are equally misinterpreted, but they're easy to grab onto and as a, as an example of what made this particular show what it was. Because what usually makes Mad Men so good is a very quick look between someone like Pete and Peggy in season six, in which all of their history is baked into that one look. That's a very hard thing to convey in a short bit of time. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the show, 
those are the ones that really resonate and why it was one of my favorite shows of the past decade. And, and there are so many moments like that that are like these little atom bombs. Like one of my favorites is, and one of the hardest to take is when um, uh, there for a, there's there's a, a copywriter who has a stint. He's European, and uh, and he has that moment where he's like where he just casually mentions, "Oh, I'm a homosexual," and Sal's right there, mm-hmm. and just I'd completely forgotten about that scene somehow. But it's just it's one of the most brutal I I think I've ever watched. Yeah. Poor friggin' Sal. <laughs> well, it speaks to how much the audience connected to him that people still were hoping he would come back in the end. For like three seasons? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we have already gone over our time, so I'm going to do a quick ra- lightning round here. Yes. Um, and ask everybody three questions. One favorite uh, moment, uh, most meaningful or comedic or anything. Favorite, if you can only pick one moment... What for Mad Men uh, that you, you hold dearest to your heart? What would it be? Second, if you can only pick one actor to have an interesting and flourishing career from this cast moving forward, everybody else I'm sure will be fine. But if you, if you got to be king of the universe, queen of the universe, and uh, and ensure one actor still got to do a lot of interesting stuff, who would it be? And and third, uh, if you have a favorite line, so who would like to go first? I'll go first. Go for it. Um, a favorite moment, uh, Peggy riding the bicycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember. This one of those glorious, just lyrical shots. Uh, I just love that. All of them. I was trying to think of all the Peggy moments. That um, Peggy Olson. I want to smoke. I want to smoke marijuana. Or her doing the roller skates while Roger's playing the organ. So probably all three of those. Peggy Olson was my favorite character on the show. One of my favorite characters of all time. In terms of uh, actors, I want to see succeed. I think Elizabeth Moss is going to be just fine. But Christina Hendricks, I want to see her flourish. I want to see her get more roles. I think that would be uh, somewhat fascinating. Uh, in terms of a favorite line, God, I wish I had, had had this question ahead of time because a favorite line. Um, I, when I was watching the, the the line that broke me in Guy Walks in Advertising Agency was at the end where Don's holding Gene and he's talking with Sally all together. And he's like, this is Gene. He's a baby. We don't know what he's going to be. And isn't and basically says, isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing? Where like that sense of possibility, and so much of Mad Men was about that possibility, even if change was was really hard, at least the potential existed, and we got some grace notes for a lot of people that um, made the whole experience worthwhile for me. So I'd go with that. Simon, how about you? Uh, moment. Uh, I didn't get to rewatch it, unfortunately, but I've never forgotten the the uh, Roger Slattery slash uh, Roger Sterling's drug trip in season five. Uh, which had, I think, some of the show's funniest and best moments of sheer sheer surreality. Uh, that I kind I kind of wish it had gone down that rabbit hole more often, but that the fact that it did it all is amazing. So I wanted to give a shout out to that. Um, what's the second one? <laughs> Actor? Yeah. Um, balls. I mean, uh, as we know, Elizabeth Moss will be fine. Top of the lake two is happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Topper of the lake. Top of the laker. Oh, uh, now I'm just imagining uh, this as a sequel with a with a ghost, and she's got <laughs> she's a wacky misadventures with uh, one of the yeah. Sorry, yeah. one of the Duplass brothers. Yeah, tippy top of the lake. Um, who else? God. Um, I always felt bad for Michael Gladys because he only got to be in like slightly less than half of the show. So let's say him because I've only ever seen him in, uh, besides this in like Eagleheart. 
Um, so yeah, let's let's give him some love. And favorite line, I just I loved all the times that that the show just diagnosed itself, um, or or announced its thesis, which it did frequently. Um, like for instance, when uh, at the end of I think season four, uh, when Doctor Faye says sa- after finding out about uh, his engagement, uh, Don's engagement to Megan, who we have just mentioned for the first time, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, which is no slight to Jessica Perry, she's great. Um, the uh, when it, when it, when she says to Don, I hope she I hope she uh, I, I hope she knows that you only like the beginnings of things, um, which is such such a fantastic kiss off. Or uh, I forget when it is that Don says that um, that happiness is just the moment before you want more happiness. Uh, but there's the show is constantly announcing its thesis to you, and it should be obnoxious, but I think it's actually kind of charming. And maybe that's because it's set in the world of advertising, where people are constantly distilling ideas into theoretically their purest form for usually nefarious means yeah no that's a great picks um it occurred to me as i'm listening to you guys uh give these answers i don't actually have good answers for myself uh i should have mm. been thinking better <laughs> when you were responding um not i great, Pete. not great well that's what i'm gonna go with for my line because the the one that comes to mind for me it, it's it's less about the line and more about the delivery oh. in the moment but um when uh when when sally just kind of throws off a uh, love you dad as she gets out of the car. Yes. I mean, it's, it's such, I mean, it feels wrong to give that the line. So I'll go with not great Bob. Cause but, just, again, it's hilarious. But, one of, but also one of John Hamm's finest moments on the show. Yeah. Where that hits, it hits him like a sledgehammer. Like he got punched by the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, so that, that'll be my line. And Ryan, you stole my actor. Uh, Cause Christina Hendricks, I think is so fantastic. And I don't, so far, I don't see her being given many, roles um which is shocking to me but hopefully that'll change soon she left that um that that series that she was gonna do one of those roadies series i don't know if it was roadies or the other one you know what can i just say i'm predicting now that in years we'll consider that the smartest thing she ever did yeah that's kind of how i feel about it right now but since you already said christina hendrix then i'll I'll throw some some love to to jay ferguson because yeah also a big a big stan uh stan fan um and it'd be nice to see him pop up in more places. And for for a moment, I mean, Burt Cooper, the 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 best things in life are free. Just for me, a transcendent mm. moment of television. Um, I'm a fan of musical theater. I always I've always loved the genre. And so to see a series embrace that um, and really show the power that a song can have in, in that kind of context, it was just. That crystallizes for me the power of musical theater that it can have. That it's like, oh, why are you singing? Why, you know, why would they? And now we have a song. Of, yeah. It's so easy for people to dismiss the genre. It's not a hugely popular genre um, for film and television anymore, outside of you know, Empire, where they're supposed to be singing. You know. Hey, don't you forget about NBC's Peter Pan, Kate. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, I just, it was a beautiful moment. It was a heartfelt moment. It was well executed. And again, the performance from him at the end, really the, the button at, right I, at the end. Can I get a quick redo on my uh, quote? Yeah. <laughs> Go, for, Go it. for it. She was born in 1898 in a barn. She died on the 37th floor of a skyscraper. She's an astronaut. Ah, oh. ah. Oh. Yep. So good. Um, and just so that we've mentioned him, Bob Benson. Just, just, just can, can we just enjoy that? You know, we all assume James Walk will be fine, but yeah. 
Bob Benson, Bob Benson shorts. They'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Okay. Well, um, do we have any final thoughts on Mad Men um, wrapping up our segment here, Ryan? No final thoughts. I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's it's not a perfect show. It was not designed to be a perfect show. It was designed to be a high form of entertainment that people happen to find a lot to write about. But I think as uh, the years go on, the accessibility of the show, I think, is what's going to surprise people. Because I think in a lot of ways, like you mentioned, girls, there are plenty of shows that we actually talk up too much that make them seem like homework, like work. Mad Men was never work for me. Uh, I loved it. I always looked forward to it. I'm sad that it's not on my Sunday uh, television, but I have, I'll always be able to rewatch it and just pick up an episode like I did last night and just really enjoy the hell out of it. And that's, that's an incredible skill. And just to call it a ma- massively entertaining show sounds like a slight, but that's a weird w- thing to think about. Just a beautifully entertaining show, great performances, one of a kind. Probably not going to see anything like it for quite a bit. Simon? I guess something that I really admired about it uh, on this rewatch, and I think that Burt Cooper is a fantastic example is I think one of the best things that, that uh, a great film or a great TV show can do is it can, uh, it can create a world and, uh, and it can say, and you can say of it, I could follow that character home and follow their, their life for a while. And I can imagine a whole other story that, that you're never going to see. And having that, that rich, that the, the depth of universe, that depth of possibility of, of other inner lives that you're not getting to see of whom I think Burt Cooper probably had the most interesting uh, it with, you know, in, in terms of inverse relationship to screen time. Um, and I, whoever I stole that from, I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, and I think Matt, that was one of the things that Mad Men was the best at. And that, that was maybe the thing that I valued most about, despite the fact that it was so obviously oriented around one character, considering they were the only person whose flashbacks we ever saw. I think it did a fantastic job of populating its world with three dimensional people, uh, who were who were perhaps creating two-dimensional art for two-dimensional reasons and that that uh that relationship i i i found very interesting and i look forward to a proper rewatch yeah when you talk about you know you want to follow the characters home i mean this is a show where the the telephone operators uh were, were zandy hardig stephanie courtney and Kristen shawl and we got yeah. like the handful of episodes with with Stephanie Courtney and that's that's it. <laughs> I mean, we never really saw the other two ever again, even though they're hilarious, hilarious ladies, those actors, um, and comedians. But um, yeah, this is uh, I you know I think I think Ryan, you put it the best. It's so easy, and this is something we talked about. And I'm sure you did um, uh, with Joanna Robinson about Justified a lot. We said with Justified a lot is that this is the incredibly entertaining show, and there is nothing wrong with wanting to be an entertaining show. Um, and so I, that's what I take away from it um, at, right now. I'm sure I'll rewatch some of it at some point and, and have a different um, thing that I take away. But for right now, it's just that this is a show that was happy to be, to be art, capital A art and um, um, really enjoyed all of its symbols and, you know, colored choices in the costuming we love you tom lorenzo um love him. uh but it also at, at, more than anything else was a show about characters and about um you know enjoying the time you were spending with them and telling the story of these these characters um and the fact that it could be both of those at the same time is is why i think it's 
it's so it's such a great show and such an incredible accomplishment and uh, i look forward i think when i next rewatch a bunch of it it's going to just go up and up and up my list of best shows ever um and uh, i look forward to that to that time so thank you so much for coming uh, on and talking with us ryan about mad men uh, where can my listeners find you online well, we can find me uh, at Talking TV with Ryan and Ryan, uh, with Mo Ryan. I'm also doing the um, Not Ready for Primetime podcast with Mike Ryan. Over uh, that, will come back in the fall. I'm currently doing a video series uh, with Vulture called The Secret History of Television uh, that drops every Wednesday on that particular site. And you can find my weekly writing at BoobTubeDude.com. Awesome. Thank you again so much for coming on, Ryan. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Thank you.